Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. Well, greetings, folks. Joseph Kursky here for Directions Magazine's Geo Inspirations column. And I'm very honored and pleased to welcome my colleague here, Jasmine Dew. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Joseph. So great to have you on here. I think that many people probably know who you are because they're in geospatial technology. But if you could explain to the listeners who you are and who you work for and what are your main job duties at the moment? Yeah, sure. So uh, right now I'm working for SRA R&D Center in Beijing as the lead product engineer for ArcGIS Earth. Uh, I have been starting here since 2015. Before that, I was a jazz analyst at ABTSRBI New York office. So at there, I was driving geospatial analysis in planning and transportation analysis projects. Before that, I hold a master degree of urban spatial analytics uh, MUSA program from University of Pennsylvania School of Design and a bachelor degree of city planning and Nanjing Forestry University. So you're working for the R&D Center. That must be fascinating. What, what exactly is an R&D Center? Yeah, cool. So at R&D Center, we are uh, starting projects and products from zero to one. You can treat it as a mini startup within S3. So we have three mature products right now and a lot of ongoing projects going on. So the three uh, major products is the ArcGIS Earth, WebAI Builder, and Survey123. Those are all rooted here in Beijing. And I know that many of the listeners will know about those tools, Survey123, WebAI Builder, and ArcGIS Earth. It's really a, a huge honor to talk to the lead engineer for those products. So gosh, thanks for, for um, talking with us today. What kind of training does a person need to work in an R&D center like yours? Uh, I think uh, it's a really good question. So for me, I had the honor to uh, join the ArcGIS Earth team at the very beginning. So I also start learning after I'm landing in this position. Before that, I'm more on the uh, front end, like using GIS tours provided by ASRI for clients to do consulting projects in geospatial area. And now I'm more in the back end to design the products, to work through the user experience, to help, uh, help users to define products uh, to help them solve problems. So that's, that's fascinating. So day to day, are you in JavaScript? Are you in Python? What, what kind of tools are you using? Uh, in my day-to-day, uh, actually, I'm more in the middle of the product uh, cycle. So the programming is more <clears throat> uh, uh, the focus of the... So let me phrase it, like ArcGIS Earth is the team of software engineers, product engineers, and also uh, 3D experts, pro, uh, product managers, and a couple more. So as a product uh, engineer, I'm more on the understanding the user requirements and analyze the workflows and separate them into different uh, required functions and then collect user feedbacks to run the iterations uh, and into the last minute, like release cycle. So from my day to day, I don't program 
uh, a lot, but if necessary, I will work with my friend, uh, colleagues to understand what are problems and how to find the best way to solve it. That's very impressive. That makes sense then, because for the benefit of the listeners, I actually met you at the S3 user conference in 2018. Uh, yeah. stopping by the ArcGIS Earth exhibit there in the big expo hall. And I was so impressed at the, at the way that you explained the product and how to use it. And I am on the education outreach team, so I'm very interested in how you actually teach people about it. And also, mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of all of those products that you talked about. We use Survey123, Web App Builder, and ArcGIS Earth extensively in mm -hmm. education at all levels, university, primary, secondary, uh, lifelong learners. So they're, they're wonderful, and I know they go way beyond education. Here's mm -hmm. a question that I get uh, occasionally, and I'd love to hear your, your perspective and your answer on this. When people say, hey, Joseph, I've got Google Earth. Why do I need ArcGIS Earth? How would you advise me to answer those folks? Um. Really very interested to answer that question because I heard that a lot of, of times. So Google Earth, of course, is a great product. It starts from like 10 years ago. It has 1 billion users. IGS Earth, we started very early at the beginning for our enterprise users. Google Earth Pro for our enterprise users, they are uh, leaving the market and uh, the company make a decision to start our ArcGIS Earth product. Now, I think ArcGIS Earth is the one can provide you 3D experience while also uh, gap the bridge with the S-Ray products. We have a lot of the ArcGIS service available for you. And also we are migrating a lot of capabilities uh, coming along. In last August, uh, 2018 August, we had our alpha release for ArcGIS uh, Earth Mobile. So just uh, on last month, we had a beta uh, release. With the mobile release, we are bridging the gap between the desktop and the mobile, which has never happened in any other, planet, uh, any other products. And that one, we want to provide a user a, a 3D on the go and on the desktop. There will be sharing experience. There will be GIS data available, and that's designed for both GIS and non-GIS users. Yeah, thanks for that uh, perspective, Ms. Du. I really appreciate it. That's, it's, it's somewhat aligned with what I tell folks as well. And I agree with you. Google Earth is a great product. And when we work with educators, it's a great introduction to you know, looking at the Earth. You want to look at uh, 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 3D landscape, a runoff from deforestation, all kinds of things you can look at. And then what I tell people is, now you want to go to the next level. You actually want to do some analysis and connect it with the bigger GIS world out there and take advantage of the layers that we've got, for example, in the living atlas of the world. Then that is the compelling reason to step into ArcGIS Earth, for example. So thanks for that perspective. Um, very helpful. So here's another thing I'm wondering, based on what you were commenting on a moment ago, how many people are in the research and development center where you're at right now? Uh, right now, we have 40 people. Within Earth team, we have 15 crew. And also, Arnie Center, we have two members, uh, like a couple of members uh, located in 
uh, Renan's headquarters. So we basically work very closely from daily uh, 9 to 5. And also, uh, if there are anything we need help with, we have crews in Renan's to bridge the gap. And uh, how often do you travel over to Redlands just uh, for geographic curiosity's sake? Huh, that's, uh, so uh, normally we have uh, once or twice a year for the conference. And during 2017, uh, uh, during 2017 we have almost half the team migrate to Renan's, relocate there to bring the new runtime uh, empowered new earth. So that was quite an experience to work very closely with our other team members in Renan's, other, uh, like runtime team and injury teams. So that was quite fun. Yeah, and I hope you got out to the uh, Chaparral Hills there on some of the trails around Redlands. It's a beautiful place to hike. Also, yeah. uh, I tell students all the time and, uh, you know, professionals coming into the GIS field that to me, one of the most exciting places to work is actually at one of these R&D centers, not just at ESRI, but in other, you know, organizations as well. I know we've got, our organization has got several of these R&D centers. I visited the one in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, mm -hmm. not too long ago. I'd love to visit your facility at some point. Where exactly are you in Beijing? Uh, we are in, so Beijing is uh, like, we have different rings based on the geographical uh, uh, domain. So uh, our office in the Northeast, the third ring. So it's very convenient. We have like 20 minutes uh, driving distance to the airport while also uh, within 30 minutes, we are close to all the fancy, interesting tourism place in Beijing. So it's um, it's very convenient place and also like in the middle of a lot of technology and uh, companies. It must be a fascinating place. And I just want to encourage people uh, about entering the geospatial field. Um, to you, being a professional in the land of geospatial, could you identify a, a class you took, a book, or a person, an event that kind of nudged you into all of this? I mean, were you a sort of a map geek when you were little, when you were a little kid? You know, what, what kind of got you into this? Yeah, I have to say, so uh, I have to say S-Ray user conference was actually the, uh, the event that attracts me into the field. So before my background is more in the city planning, land use planning, community health survey, and this uh, kind of different social policy and city planning objects, uh, subjects. And when I was in University of Pennsylvania, finishing my master's degree, I was offered an opportunity by uh, Penn urban research lab and at that lab they provide me a full sponsorship as a student to join the 2012 uh, SRUC conference and it was at that conference I met so many people uh, that are so passionate about their uh, products and also they, they are willing to solve their problems in so many different diverse industries and people are also so open-minded to something uh, it's impossible. And it was at that conference, I could stand out from uh, a city planning perspective to see there are also topics like 3D 
And there are topics uh, like people using GIS in wine industry to help them pro, uh, provide best wine. And there are people in environmental and I can talk to people and meet people. That was the event really think, uh, make me think the GIS field is just like a sea. You can diverse uh, so many different, you, you have so many diverse different um, projects and topics. Of course, there are a lot of class and people I talk to who really inspired me. And at UPenn, there's a class uh, taught by Professor Dana Tomlin. He was the guy who trained, us, uh, trained me to think as a GIS uh, user. He was also uh, one of the uh, writer for the spatial analysis uh, extension, which helped us uh, the ArcInfo, uh, build up the ArcInfo. So the way he trained us uh, was very interesting, very uh, mind-opening. So that was kind of the, the pathway why I still in the field and still feeling like I'm inspired every day by the people I meet, by the colleagues I'm working with, and also by the, uh, the customers uh, who are asking questions. Indeed, thanks for sharing that. Uh, first of all, there's so many things that you're, that you're saying that resonate so well with me and I think with, with the Geo Inspirations mm -hmm. audience. Uh, First of all, uh, Dana Tomlin, yeah, he's one of my heroes. Uh, he is uh, definitely a pillar in geospatial. And I misspoke mm -hmm. a while ago. I, I, I thought you were saying Penn State, but you, UPenn is where you, where you attended, right? But yes. we work with them as well. Yeah, good people, of, lots of good universities there in Pennsylvania. So um, I wanted to say that for the record. Also, I think it's fascinating that you said that about the user conference. I tell people all the time, if you can attend just one time in your lifetime you don't have to attend every year I mean ideally yes but you know financial constraints and the time it takes to get there and so on but if you could just go one time it is as you're saying Jasmine this it's so inspiring and you just get uh, so encouraged by all of the really people making a positive difference on the planet in health and public safety and city planning, as you're mentioning, and so many other fields. It's just really, it goes beyond the technology, right? It's it's all about building mm -hmm. a, a sustainable world, which again, mm -hmm. I just wanted to encourage the, the listeners of this. If you can get to San Diego to the ESRI user conference just one time, you won't regret it. You'll be very encouraged and inspired, which which we need in our world, right? You look around and you see the major problems that we're facing and you say, how are we gonna tackle these problems? Well, with smart people like you, Jasmine, and with these good tools that you are developing and promoting. So thanks for sharing that. What, um, what initiative are you proudest of looking, looking back over these, these few years? What, what project or initiative are you particularly proud of being a part of? Yeah, of course, it has to be ArcGIS Earth. So starting from zero to one is very fascinating for me uh, as so uh, as an opportunity to be with uh, <clears throat> a very small team and uh, providing the uh, products. And we have uh, users in so many industries. And also we are kind of standing on top of a giant because Google Earth has a, quite a fame and uh, we are now have 
all those users, they want to have similar experience, but how could we find the uh, S3 data and service and bring new, like make something innovative, even from very tiny data import process or uh, 3D analysis process, we want to do something more, like make you feel like it's a different thing and also help you solve problems. So that's kind of the driven for me and I'm very proud of. Uh, we have such a great team and providing uh, the new and innovative uh, workflows. And also we are trying to extend the desktop experience into mobile. With mobile, that's a new topic because uh, I think words right now, they have more into the brand of uh, inviting people to see the imagery and the traveling. But for, for us, we still, uh, not only we want to have all of this, we want to make user-friendly mobility application and in 3D. So that's something, uh, it feels like starting a new uh, zero to one process. So I really enjoy like being in part of something like this. Yeah, we're always telling uh, folks that are new into the geospatial field or people thinking about joining or students that are in various stages of their education that, you know, choose a career rather than a job, right? And it sounds like you really have something that, you know, you're not watching the clock, wishing it was quitting time. You're actually enjoying what you're doing. You feel like you're making a positive contribution to the planet. And mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you. And I know that just for the uh, the listeners right now, you're going to provide us with a couple of links. And I know one of those will be ArcGIS Earth and some of the other products that you talked about. So people will be able to go and, and access, access those tools. Speaking sure. of tools, Survey123, when that became crowdsourceable, to me, mm -hmm. that, was, that was one of the best things that have ever happened in the last 10 years in, in the land of GIS. Because then, as you know, and maybe for the benefit of the listeners, then you can actually create a survey easily, either with Excel or with a web uh, browser, and mm -hmm. in much the same experience as SurveyMonkey or Google Forms, but then it, it publishes a, an editable feature service, and then you can analyze the results in map form, and when mm -hmm. it became crowdsourceable, then your end user can be anyone. It, they don't have to be in your organizational account, or they don't even have to have the app. So that just opened up you know, all kinds of citizen science, uh, crowdsourcing, uh, you know, ideas and applications. So I, I love that product as well. We're, we're big fans, as I know many of the listeners are. Okay, Ms. Dew, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're busy probably putting out lots of fires over there, but um, what's, what's your advice on the most important thing that we should work on as the geospatial education product development community? Uh, like for me, I would say uh, just stay curious is the very crucial part. So when I was uh, as a young professional uh, in New York City, I really joined, uh, want to meet people. I joined the local meetup as Joe NYC who provide uh, community talks uh, almost every month. And they voted for the best map for New York City this year. Uh, and also bring a lot of staff, uh, engineers in staff companies in large organizations, uh, encourage people to talk and learn things. And at that, that uh, like, so when I just entered the field as a young professional, 
uh, I think connecting with people and stay curious and be open-minded with everyone's thoughts and just listen, listen to what, uh, uh, what the people are really caring about uh, will help you think, oh, how could jazz help them? And what are they doing with jazz? And uh, is there anything I could benefit from? So that's kind of what uh, my advice for, for people students in the field. Uh, many thanks for those words of wisdom, my friend. Many thanks. And so as we look into the next decade, um, yeah, we've got lots of problems that we need to solve. And I agree with you. Being curious and asking questions is really the, the front end because that's going to make you tenacious to figure out the tools. It's going to make you solve problems. And one of the things that is a challenge is that in our educational system in many in many countries we mm -hmm. we're we're so focused on you know assessing the students abilities and testing them and so on and memorization and oftentimes we don't teach that whole you know let's be curious let's ask questions and so mm -hmm. i i completely agree that's oftentimes i'm teaching at the university level uh in a couple of uh, universities right now and just encouraging the students to ask questions and maybe you can't answer those questions. Like I, as their instructor, maybe I don't know the answer, which is actually good because it encourages people just keep asking questions and try to figure things out. So I agree with you there on those uh, words of wisdom. Thanks for sharing. So you touched on this last thing that I was going to ask you already, actually, but your advice to new professionals, you mentioned, you know, get involved, get networked. We do have, for the purposes of the listeners here, we do have an S3 Young Professionals Network. And mm -hmm. that's been going on for three years, something like that. But it's just been it's just been awesome. And there are thousands of people in it. But as you mentioned, there's Eurissa, there's um, uh, uh, AAG, there's other organizations, International Geographical Union, that have a Young Professionals Network. So I agree with you. Encourage people to to get into those. Now, what about this? I've got some students, for example, at the University of Denver right now. They're sort of mid-career. You know, they've mm -hmm. been in IT or they've been in computer science or, or even something totally unrelated. And now they, they kind of are at the point in their career where they, they want to do something with GIS. They don't exactly know what, but they know they want to have more than just kind of a, you know, a regular job. They actually want to make a contribution to the planet through GIS. And so do you think it's too late for them to get into GIS? No, no, no. I'm very uh, feel great you asked the question, and also you mentioned Eurisa. So as a young professional, uh, before when I was just graduated, I actually I keep an eye on the Eurisa's projects. They have a lot of volunteering projects asking for people' interest. So I was fortunate enough to join two uh, social action and uh, civil rights projects, but they are asking for support from people might have some technical experience and might have perspective on jazz and someone may be just a good writer and all people are volunteered. Uh, so there, are, there were two projects I was involved in. One was uh, forensic oceanary uh, uh, projects who helps you to, uh, who helps a uh, uh, legal court to find out the AIS, the the ship information, like GPS for the ships, and compare it with remote sensing to find out the exact location uh, where that incident happened. And also there is another one uh, was organized by School of Data. That project is 
using GIS data to understand what are the cause and facts of the, all the uh, garment factories and the related uh, uh, the effects globally. So I will share those two links uh, for the readers to read. So as you mentioned, the middle career, I think uh, those professionals, uh, they definitely have something they already very successful as as jazz, they don't need to wait just to try with this volunteering job. You can learn from the people who join in and uh, after you finish one project, you might understand, oh, what, uh, what's more interesting for me and what I can offer and have a better perspective of that question. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. that those, are, those are great words to hear. I agree with you. It is mm -hmm. never too late to get into GIS. We have a lot of need for diversity in the community. So those mid-career types, as you say, they are coming mm -hmm. from economics. They're from public policy, health, you name it. And, mm -hmm. and all of this is, is actually increasing the diversity of our community. And it's, it's allowing us to dig into problems maybe that we haven't dug into before and ask kind of the kinds of questions that maybe those of us that have come through city planning or in my case, geography, uh, haven't been asking. So I just think it's, it's a very exciting time to be in this field or going into this field. So I just want to encourage the listeners to if you know someone that uh, loves science, loves technology, loves getting outside and collecting data, loves to uh, connect with some of the big tech issues of our time, uh, big data, data analytics, right? Uh, the Internet of Things, all those things are really coming to, I think, a, a key time in the history of GIS. And so, again, like you're saying, Jasmine, it's a perfect time for people to get into this for sure. Mm -hmm. Since this is the geospatial curious bunch, um, mm -hmm. you know, multinational and so on, could you share with us how do I say geographic information systems in Chinese? Uh, it's And so, are we saying systems first or are we saying the geographic part first? Yeah, we say the geographical part first. So, geography is uh, information is. Uh, is system is So those are three different words, but we combine it together. Excellent. People was, yeah, people are getting more familiar with it right now as so many topics you just mentioned, the big data, the smart cities, the IoT stuff, and data analytics. I think it's just uh, prospering these days. Yeah, and the future's bright for sure. I think the future is even brighter with people like you in it. I really do. And I was very inspired to meet you. I really appreciate the, the words of uh, uh, wisdom and advice that you gave. And just to hear about your background and how you got into this is just fascinating. And it looks like a really, I wish we had video for the benefit of the listeners because it looks like you're in a, a pretty cool office. There's this blue light behind you and this glass wall. And it just looks like a cool place to work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we are uh, like in our center is the open space. So we are uh, not staying in cubics, but very close, working <laughs> very closely. So we even have uh, like entertainment area with the pool table and Xbox. So how is it? I need to visit there. So what was the name of your colleague that I met at the user conference last summer? 
Oh, that's the dev lead of ArcGIS Earth team, Kang Yongwei. Yeah, yeah, he's very cool and very smart. I'm very yeah. glad. Well, both him. of you, you made a great team and I was very impressed. So again, Shishi, thanks for being here. Much appreciated. Uh, and I hope to see you soon. And I encourage the listeners to check out the links that Jasmine Du has provided. She's at the R&D Center there in Beijing, and she's joining us on the Geo Inspirations column here in Directions Magazine. So thanks again, Jasmine. Thanks, thanks, Joseph, and thanks, uh, all the listeners. Uh, hope you enjoy our discussion. Folks, thanks for joining us today on Geo Inspirations. That was the amazing Jasmine Du at the R&D Center for ESRI in Beijing, China.